Blog Talk Radio. Like he wasn't even born in 1980. Well, maybe that's an old picture. No. 
Yeah. Why would a guy put an old picture of him well, looking you put at up, 18? You look up plenty. You put up yeah, but I don't put up picture. an 18-year-old picture of myself, Lila. Well, you look, you, maybe he's not as old as we are. Well, do you think uh, Do you think he looks even 20? I don't know. No, he doesn't even look like he's 20 years old. I'm going to take sex advice from an 18-year-old guy? I don't think so. Especially, I don't, it, 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 I'm not going to read this article. I was just curious. Sorry, guys, this, this, this doesn't go for me. I'm sorry, Mr. Union guys, but some of your stuff just, just doesn't blow straight with me. I'm sorry. Can't do it. So anyway, uh, let's go beyond that. That was a big day for the AFL-CIO, man. Starting to employ all kinds of weirdos. Okay, let's see what we got here. New report, a year of the raging wage, raising wage, wage agenda. The raising wages. Many blue writers do. Okay, let's go. We got here. All right. Our new reader. Our new reader. <sighs> Making marking nearly one year since the first ever raising wages summit, the AFL-CIO today released a new report detailing the successes, struggles, and path ahead to raise wages for working people. The report, Fight for a Better Life, How Working People Across America Are Organizing to Raise, wage, raise Wages and Improve Work, finds that over the past year, income inequality has shifted from a problem we discussed to a problem we can solve. Well, that's good. The report points to the clear and unequivocal steps for a path forward. Armed with the solutions outlined in the report, the central conclusion is that America is ready to move beyond the discussion of income inequality in its beginning to write new rules that will shape the economy. One year ago, we made clear that raising wages for all working people was our number one priority, said AFL-CIO President Richard Trumka. In 2015, we came together in collective voice and action and made significant progress. The report goes well beyond direct wage increases, highlighting successes that demonstrate the all-encompassing nature of the Raising Wages agenda. Numerous organizing victories, paid sick leave laws in multiple states and municipalities, and new protections against wage theft if five states are outlined as part of the effort to create an economy built on raising wages. The report also outlines hurdles to further victories and challenges that remain in the Raising Wages agenda as the raising wages agenda grows. In December 2015 alone, the report shows President Barack Obama and Democrats in Congress were forced to fight off six amendments to the budget that would have rolled back protections for working people. And while the unemployment rate continued to fall last year, wage growth showed only modest improvement before grinding to a halt. Even with modest wage growth and significant gains for working people in 2015, the report is a reminder that more, more work is needed in order to keep raising wages a priority in political and economic conversations. Although the victories and the momentum of the raising wages movement in 2015 demonstrates that collective action works, we are still far behind where we need to be and where we can be, Trumka said. In the year ahead, we will continue to push for a comprehensive economic agenda that puts working people first. Wising wages is not a hobby. It's our mission. Yeah, so back Hillary. <laughs> I, don't so. I don't know, man. 
I, I, I'm, I'm losing faith here in, in, in this leadership. I'm sorry, but uh, it's just, just advancing insanity. Uh, let's see. I don't know. I really have difficulty here. All right. Economy. The economy. The economy adds 292,000 jobs in December, and unemployment remains unchanged at 5%. That's that is such a whack figure; it doesn't even make sense. Mm. You know, you know they used to they used to criticize George Bush. Now, I'm, no, don't get me wrong; I'm not backing George Bush or anything like that. But it's just the, the damn hypocrisy of this whole thing makes me crazy. Because the U.S. they they used to complain that George Bush had three hundred thousand jobs in one month. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What a terrible, you know, it was such a joke. Now we got two hundred ninety-two thousand jobs, and all of a sudden it's like, you know. Everybody's going crazy. Yeah, we're wonderful, you know. And the unemployment was five percent, remaining unchanged. That doesn't. That isn't even close to what unemployment is, you know. So I mean, that's I, not the real level. No, God, no. I mean, it, 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 it's a joke. It's just the people have dropped off the rolls. They're so not only that, not only that. I mean, you know, they 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 take these things for verbatim, you know, from the government, which is a horse's, you know, and 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 they they you know actual. It's 25 to 30 percent, 55 percent, believe it or not, in in in, in, uh, in black youth, all right, or unemployed, all right, uh, teenagers, you know, and stuff. Uh, it's 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 30, 40 percent in the black communities. It, it's and it's almost it's that in in the United States. These statistics are so whacked out; they don't even make sense, all right. And uh, you know, 292,000 jobs. They used to laugh at that with, when when George Bush had it, you know. And uh, you know, so but no, under Obama, oh, it's wonderful, you know. You know, the, the hypocrisy is, is is staggering. Working people must be protected on an on-demand economy. What does that mean? The seven uh, principles on the on-demand economy. Yeah, Today, the AFL-CIO released its statement of principles on the on-demand economy laying out ways to protect working people in a never-changing work environment. Well, that's true. We have a never-changing work environment. So let's see what they mean by that. Uh, Here we go. Use technology to empower, not weaken workers. Promote. So everybody should get an iPhone. Promote economic and social inclusion. Okay. Establish rules to achieve binding corporate accountability regardless of where or how people work. That means if people work at home because they're still working for the corporation. Make portable benefits available to all workers. That means you can take your benefits and wherever, transfer wherever them. Wherever you go, yeah, if you even have any benefits. Yeah. Safeguard the, uh, the employment relationship to ensure workers' job protections and the right to collective bargaining. Uh, Increase opportunities to access good jobs. Ensure a level playing field for business. Well, you know, that's all wonderful, but guess what? Almost 50% of the jobs today are at will, all right, mm-hmm. and in part-time, all right? And nobody's talking about that, are they? Not even the unions, for credit. Well, lot. they have talked about that. Yeah, but they're not. Not in this article, you know? they're not, but they have talked Seven about Seven principles of on-demand economy. Yeah, okay, well, you know, on-demand meaning... Uh, you know, at will, basically. You know, it's like everybody's getting, get, you know, everybody's uh, unemployed at 5%. You know. Today, the AFFL released its statement of principles on the on-demand economy, 
laying out ways to protect working people in the ever-changing work environment. AFL Director of Policy Damian Silver says, the AFL-CIO is committed to making sure that the on-demand economy leads to better lives for working people. New technologies must not be an excuse for old-style injustice. Workers in the on-demand economy, no matter what their titles, must have decent wage, wages and benefits, safety, and most of all, a collective voice on the job. Yeah, and in the ideal world, you know, uh, here are the principles. Use technology to empower, not weaken workers. We just read the all of them. No, but they're, they're repeating them, so... No, that was instead of reading the chart, we read. That's all. You want to read more about we each read, of the principles? We read the same thing. The AFL-CIO is committed to working with business, government, and communities to find solutions that work for employers and working people and on-demand economy. Today, AFL-CIO General Counsel Craig Becker is participating in a forum with the Hamilton Project. AFL-CIO Director Liz Schuler will speak on a panel and so on and so forth. So, continues to grow. Winners and losers of the week. Okay. Fighting for a better life. We just read that. We just read that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Let's see what, what this is all about. Paid leave momentum continues to grow, winners and losers of the week. Each week we get a look at the bigger, the biggest friends and foes of labor. We celebrate the workers who are winning big and small battles, and we shame the companies of people who are trying to deny working people their rights. Well, winners as workers in Spokane, uh, after the city voted to become the 28th city, along with Connecticut and Oregon, to pass a paid sick leave law. Runners-up UAW members and others for responding to the water crisis in Flint, Michigan, by donating water and offering to help distribute it. Loser, Ted Cruz, who was criticized by ASPE members in Iowa for championing policies that benefit the 1% at the expense of working people. A runner-up, Walmart. After a former shift manager was fired, she claims, for complaining that she was told to choose between her kids and her career. Walmart's closing everywhere, so I don't have to worry about them anymore, I guess. Uh, let's see. What's this one? Big organizing victory in the South. Volkswagen workers to be represented by UAW. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's good. UAW Ford members ratify national contract. And Ann Arbor, well, they're going to be losing their jobs anyway. Uh, Who's that? Ford. They're moving their big plants to, uh, their big plant to uh, Mexico. Right. and champions, the intersection of apprentices, green energy, probably the outskirts. Let's look at this thing, just for the heck of it. UA for, UAW Ford members ratified national contract. The members of the UAW Ford unit in Michigan uh, ratified a national agreement joining the workers at the other big three automakers who ratified contracts earlier. UAW President Dennis Williams said, our UAW... Uh, members have ratified a national agreement after a long process with much debate. The voices of the majority 
have secured a strong future that will provide job security and economic stability for themselves and their families. Maybe right. that maybe that plant was in Ohio or something. I don't know. But I I remember that being said, but I didn't realize. Well, I, Trump was all over that one because mm. uh, you know uh, Ford was going to take all of their, you know, no, no, it wasn't Ford. It was GM. General Motors. General Motors, Motors I think. It? Yeah, so I think it's General Motors because they we had just bailed them out. You know, mm-hmm. well, I mean, the American, American people just bailed them out, and now they're planning to go to Mexico with with, uh, with thousands of jobs. With all the money that they that, got from the from, government. From the government, yeah. That's not right. Well, I haven't heard anything more on that. Supposedly they paid it back, but I, I, don't, I don't really believe Obama anymore, so. Who knows? There is no higher authority than the membership, though a fair and democratic process, UAW Ford members have delivered job security, and strong economic gains for their families and communities. Well, I commend for it. Yeah, I do yeah. too. But you know, they're still they're still having problems with their quality. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and uh, it's really a, still a big problem for uh, buying their cars. But anyway, um, I don't know if I need to. Do you want to go? To, do you want to see what their agreement? Yeah, is? let's just look and see what that says. A full agreement, but we'll just read parts of it and see. If, if it's too complicated, we'll pass. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Proposed tentative agreement hourly, proposed tentative agreement salaried, okay. Uh, I think it's a little complicated. Yeah, if you're all, interested, so. yeah, go to the AFL-CIO blog and check that out for yourself. And uh, if you're you can interested. go to UAW, um, uh, go to their website, too, UAW, and, uh, you can and, find and out check more out about it. Yeah, it's, it, it's a little quite involved, but uh, it might be worth your, your while to read. Um, women labor leaders speak their minds on the future of labor and union privileged president, union privileged president Leslie Tolf. Hmm. We'll see what that's what they mean by that. Uh, Let's see. Women labor leaders speak their minds on the future of labor and union privileged president Leslie Tolf. They should be commas or something there, you know, but okay. Millennial, let's just go back up. Millennials will be 50% of the workforce by 2020. What should they be fighting for? Millennials could be the first generation in U.S. history to not do better than their parents. Millennials should fight for jobs with steady schedules and fair pay. They should fight for the right to form a union. Liz Shula, Secretary-Treasurer of the AFL-CIO. In her latest Huffington Post article, Union Privilege President Leslie Toff talks with prominent women labor leaders about the importance of Labor Day and the future of the labor movement. Featured in the discussion are the following labor women, Liz Schuler, Secretary-Treasurer of the AFL-CIO, Cindy Estrada, Vice President of UAW, Karen Nussbaum, Executive Director of Working America, and Rachel Bryan, the community liaison at Electrical Workers Local 595. Hmm. Why Labor Day is important. We need to take away the myth that labor was needed during the bad old days. It's important to have time off to take care of your family and to have safety in the workplace. Cindy Estrada, Vice President of United Auto Workers. What is the most important thing in 2015 for workers' rights for women? Collective power. Give women a right to have, say, one job, and she'll have the power to bargain for a good job. 
this was all from Labor Day 2015. Okay, that was just a few months ago. Yeah. But, you know, let's go on. What do you think of share of the sharing economy? Cheap labor and goods create wealth for tech companies and does little to nothing for their temporary low-wage workers. Racial Byron, community liaison at International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. Yeah. yeah. So basically it's sort of as, you know, nobody is getting... Enough money. Yeah. You know, a decent wage to live on. That's the problem. One of the big problems. Um, you know, everybody's at, at will, you know. I remember, you know, they kicked him off stage and, he, and they, 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 they stopped him from running. But, you know, the only guy who was talking about that, about, about at will jobs and. Jim Webb. With Jim Webb. He was the best qualified of all these guys, and they kicked his—they kicked him right the hell out. You know, they—they they dried up his money and they, they rigged the, the debates. And he said, "This thing, this whole debate is rigged." You know, and he's right. It was rigged. It's rigged for—it's rigged. It's—it's it's totally rigged. If anybody saw the last debate, uh, it, it was—it was a complete farce. All right, um, you know, and. Uh, I'll guarantee you, Bernie's gonna Bernie's gonna drop dead, or Bernie's gonna give up. You know, the ghost. Once he hits, he'll he'll make some more money. He's already made thirty-seven million bucks in the last few months, and uh, now that he's going, he's advancing. He's doing just like what Dean did. You mm-hmm. know, once he got through Iowa, you know, they destroyed him in Iowa, but he already made a hundred million bucks and kept it. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, and that, and then they made him uh, the, the, the chairman of the DNC. After, you know, hey, God, you know, it's so rigged, though. It's so rigged. Any qualified person just does not get a chance. AFL-CIO. Um, I don't want to do that. Let's go on to something else. Yeah, I don't know how we lost out on this one. Uh, let me go to, uh, so I've got some really interesting stuff um, on, uh, on Facebook. Uh, people sent me. Here's some, here's some interesting about Hillary, okay, that just was released. Some emails on Hillary's server were beyond top secret. Imagine that. Yeah. She's, and where she's running for president. Can you imagine what she would do as a president? She'd, she'd betray this country as fast as anybody could possibly blink an eye. Some of the classified emails found on former secretary... Uh, some of the classified emails found on former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton's home server were more sensitive than top secret, according to the Inspector General for the Intelligence Community. Inspector Charles, uh, General Charles uh, McCullough sent a letter to lawmakers last Friday saying that several dozen additional classified emails had been found, including one containing information from so-called special access programs and have a classification higher than top secret. The finding, the finding was uh, first reported Tuesday on Fox News, but federal investigators are probing the Democratic uh, presidential candidate's email setup and concerns that classified information may have passed through the system. Clinton, the frontrunner for the 216 Democratic presidential nomination, provided the server to the FBI in August. She's, she has said that she didn't send or receive information that was classified at the time via her personal account. McCullough sent the letter in response to inquiries from congressional committees. To date, I have received two sworn declarations from one intelligence community element. 
The letter said, these declarations cover several dozen emails containing classified information determined by the IC element to be at the confidential, secret, and top-secret SAP levels. Intelligence officials say that uh, secret access programs have been more classified than just top-secret because they were about highly sensitive programs and could reveal sources of information. The Clinton campaign did not immediately respond to their request for comment. The State Department is under court order to release the 55,000 emails that Clinton submitted to her former agency that were on her homebrew serving and server rather, and were not personal. Uh, almost all have been released, with the last batch expected on the 29th of January. But they got, I read yesterday that they had, or yesterday, the day before, that they have over um, a million. Not a million. Uh, sorry, over 150,000. I'm losing it. Over 150 investigators, okay, uh, assigned to 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 her to her corruption. Okay. Yeah, corruption uh, and his and Bill Clinton's foundation and all of that, you know. And uh, they're they're going after her, and uh, you know, and what will happen is, if she does not win this election, right? If she doesn't win, she may wind up going to jail. All right? And even if she does win, she may wind up having to go to jail anyway because mm-hmm. because of her... Or be uh, impeached. Or be, uh, be impeached, for sure. But uh, it'll be another Nixon, you know. So, amazing. So anyway, the war on drugs, uh, this is interesting too. There are about 12 times more people War on drugs makes private prison corporations rich. All right, mm-hmm. and uh, let's do a little video here on this. Oops. Okay, let's go back. I, I'll, I'm going to turn this down. I'm going to read because I, I thought there was some kind of a reading here. But, um. Okay, in a 2014 SEC. There are about 12 times more people incarcerated for drugs than 30 years ago. Right. And let's see. Uh, The The war war on drugs makes private prison corporations rich. The Corrections Corporation of America profits more than 300 million a year. Profits more than 140. These corporations love the war on drugs so much that they're lobbying for its continuation. The CCA spent 17.4 million in lobbying expenditures in the last 10 years. These are these are just big correction companies. Right. GEO spent 2.5 million in lobbying expenditures in the last 8 years. And that must be a private one. Yeah. The political contributions have supported campaigns favoring tough drug laws such as Mandatory minimum drug sentencing, three strikes laws, less leniency with parole. In a 2014 SEC statement, any changes with respect to the decriminalization of drugs could potentially demand reduce demand for correctional facilities to house inmates. And let's see, this is the last statement here. 
In other words, more drug offenders equals more profits for private prison corporations. That's correct. So, sure, if you think it's wrong to profit off the drug wars, and I, and I, I totally agree with that. Totally. It's sick. It is. Uh, Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren just introduced a bill to boost Social Security and other critical benefits for seniors and veterans since there won't be a cost of living adjustment in 2016. And uh, so that's interesting. And uh, da, 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 da. that was November. Yeah, well, still. Uh, let's see. Um, Oh, this is you might you might get a kick out of this. Christie votes mandatory recess in New Jersey school vetoes mandatory oh. recesses. Well, he looks like he'd veto recess. No, but you know, he looks it, like it, a no, but, but, but it's more interesting. This one's kind of interesting because what he says is, is President Chris Christie more fun than Governor Chris Christie? Um,
But I just I just thought it was kind of interesting that he would be doing that, that kind of a bill. He's an idiot. Yeah, well, look at him. Yeah, he's unhealthy himself. Oh, yeah, he's a monster. Uh, this is sad. But anyway, move on. This is something here. I mean, we're, we're, we're going beyond the, 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 the union news here, but uh, statins cause the disease it seeks to cure. Shock research warns drugs hardens uh, arteries. Isn't that amazing? So millions upon millions of people are on statin drugs, okay? Mm. And they're, 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 they're causing this, the disease they're meant to prevent, okay? This is typical of our damn society, of, our, of, these, of these pharmaceuticals. This is interesting, huh? Now let's go. So it says, uh, yeah, statins cause the disease it seeks to, it seeks to cure. Um, people taking the drugs are more likely to suffer from hardening of the arteries, uh, cause uh, a leading cause of heart problems. <laughs> In addition, uh, researchers found that drugs block a process that protects the heart. This can cause or worsen heart failure, according to the study. The lead, the lead author says, I cannot find any evidence to support people taking statins. He says, the findings published in expert review of uh, will add to the debate surrounding the drugs, which are routinely given to up to 12 million patients in the UK or around one in four adults. That's just in the UK. I mean, there's, there's many more than that in this country. And other places, yeah. Canada. And yeah. Supporters say they save lives by lowering cholesterol and UK health um, regulators say they are safe. Well, Oxford professor Sir Rory Corn Collins uh, has warned that overstating concerns about statins uh, could cause very large numbers of unnecessary deaths from heart attacks and strokes. Well, opponents have pointed to the side effects, such as skeletal weakness and muscle pain, and say the risks outweigh the benefits. Uh, some, the risks out, yeah, because I know for a fact that I was, I was prescribed statins and the damn things were giving me uh, muscle cramps. Oh, that was okay. terrible for you. Yeah, I, I got off them. Right? Every damn night you'd have these, these muscle cramps in your legs. And uh, opponents have, stopped, have pointed to the side effects. Uh, and uh, let's see. Uh, now Professor Harumi Okawawa uh, whose team studied a series of more than 20 major research papers on the drugs, say they could cause heart disease. <laughs> the drugs can cause heart disease. Or Oklahoma of Naga Nagaoya City University of Japan said, we have collected a wealth of information on cholesterol and statins from many published papers and find overwhelming evidence that these drugs accelerated hardening of the arteries and can cause a worsened heart failure. I cannot find any evidence to support people taking statins and patients who are on them should stop. The research says that the hypothesis that statins protect the heart from lowering cholesterol is flawed and that high cholesterol is not necessarily linked to heart disease. That's right. They also find statins having a negative effect on vital body processes linked to heart health. They discovered patients taking the drug were more likely to have calcium deposits in their arteries a phenomenon directly linked to heart disease. This is because statins block a molecule needed for the body to produce a vital K vitamin, which prevents calcification of the arteries. Okuyama and his team say many earlier industry-sponsored studies which show the benefits of statins are unreliable. 
They claim this is because they were carried out before new European regulations were introduced in 2004, which was insisted on all trial findings, both negative and positive, being declared. The study, uh, where was that? Is it this? Uh... The study states that before oh, these uh... new rules, came into effect, unfair and unethical problems were associated with clinical trials reported by industry so supported scientists. Okay, okay, Okiyama team, uh, Okiyama's team looked at studies before and after 2004, and they found that the epidemic of heart failure and arterial sclerosis, hardening of the arteries, that plaques the, the modern, that, oh, I'm sorry, that plagues the modern world may paradoxically be aggravated by the passive use of statin per drugs. Pervasive use. I'm sorry. Yeah. We're, uh, we propose that current statin treatment guidelines be critically reevaluated. Uh, Dr. Mal Dr. Malcolm Kendrick, who has studied heart health and statin, said, this study demolishes the argument that the drug should be prescribed to anyone as the harm clearly outweighs any previously suggested benefits. Dr. Peter Lang's Joan, a heart specialist in Texas, who is co-author of the study, said statins are being used so aggressively and in such large numbers of people that the adverse effects are now becoming obvious. These drugs should never have been approved for use. The long-term effects are devastating. Spokesman for the MHRA, the government drug regulator, said the benefits of statins are well established and are considered to outweigh the risks of side effects for the majority of patients. Uh, any new significant information on the efficacy of statins will be carefully reviewed and action be taken if required. Yeah. So one comment on this said that what took them so long? Many researchers have stated this before and before them. And they've been uh, and, there were, and there were countless uh, of negative testimonials across the world. There are even documentaries about this. Nevertheless, we're pleased to see how mainstream researchers are breaking out against statin drugs. And this was from a vascular surgeon. Of, he's a, a vascular surgeon said, why I've ditched statin drugs for good. Mm -hmm. So that, that might be interesting. Well, it's right? probably the same thing. No, it's a, it's a leak. Sick. 
really was. But uh, U.S. nerve gas hit her own. Really stupid. And this is from Newsweek. Takes a minute to bring this up. More than a minute. Okay. Probably we're not going to get it. Just click on it. I did it. This is not the one, though. I've hit my limit of free articles this month. I haven't even I haven't even started. Hmm. Got it. Screw them. All right. So anyway. Just so you can go to that newsweek.com and pay for it, pay for it, and find out if, if why you've been uh, done. Uh, anyway, uh, let's see. Uh, oh, oh, that, that was that was a sad thing. Now here's something else. White House admits staging fake vaccination operation to gather DNA from the public. What do you think of that? It's pretty awful. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we are changed. Uh, um, the White House has officially admitted that fake vaccination programs have been used by the United States as a cover for covertly, covertly stealing DNA samples from the public as part of the so-called war on terror. <laughs> the aim of the scheme carried out in the Middle East was to use DNA analysis to identify suspected terrorists who would then be targeted to be killed by the United States. Holy crap. As the, United, as the New York Times reported in 2011, in the months before Osama bin Laden was killed, the Central Intelligence Agency ran a phony vaccination program in Abbottabad, um, Pakistan, as a, use, as a ruse to obtain DNA evidence from members of bin Laden's family, thought to be holed up as an expansive compound there. CIA agents recruited a senior Pakistani doctor to organize the vaccine drive, uh, even starting the project in a poorer part of town. Starting the project in a poorer part of town to make it look more authentic, reports The Guardian. This scheme, first unveiled in 2011, is the first time in history that the U.S. government has been forced to admit using public health activity to secretly and illegally harvest DNA from the public in an attempt to assassinate one individual. How exactly could a vaccination program harvest DNA from people? It's a simple matter. Really, as the Guardian explains, the nurses could have been trained to withdraw some blood in the needle after administering the drug. White House says uh, it will stop using fake vaccination programs to gather DNA and kill people. Oh, how oh, nice yeah. of them. Right. Now the White House says it will no longer use fake vaccination campaigns as a tactic in the war on terror. And the people of the world will are supposed to automatically trust this promise, even though it comes from the exact same regime that ran a deception to a vaccination operation in the first place. Now the White House says it will no longer. Okay. Uh, let's see. It's almost as if the White House is saying, yeah, we ran a fake vaccination op. We, got, we harvested the DNA of your children. We lied to your people under the cover of public health, and we got, and, and we got caught. 
But now you can trust us. We promise. And this seemingly ludicrous promise just surfaced this week as part of the White House announcement that the United States would not use vaccination programs as cover-up for spy operations, according to Yahoo News. And the White House is concerned that because of the CIA's use of fake vaccination programs in the past, people in the Middle East no longer trust vaccines. Well, can you blame them? <laughs> really? Yeah, that is that is nearly entire that it has nearly the entire medical establishment freaked out, terrified that somebody somewhere might say no to vaccines and thereby destroy the entire human civilization with polio. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. They're proving that polio, boys, was caused by poor sanitation and not because of the vaccine. You know what I mean? That uh, was supposedly made from monkey uh, monkey testes. Yeah. Uh, it's ridiculous. And uh, click here to read my recent uh, thing on here. But anyway, according to uh, Yahoo News, White House anti-terror advisor Lisa Monaco uh, has now relayed this news uh, claim to the uh, deans of 13 public health schools in the United States. She reportedly added the agency will not seek to obtain or exploit DNA or any gen- gen- genetic material acquired through such programs. Once again, confirming the CIA had been using fake vaccination programs to acquire DNA samples in order to track down human targets for termination. All this validates the true description that vaccines have been used as weapons of war against individuals the United States considers to be its enemies. I remember reporting on this several years ago and being called a conspiracy theorist for doing so. Yet once again, the facts have emerged that proved us correct and being intelligent conspiracy analysts uh, who investigate deception in the world. As I've since written, uh, anyone who believes there's no such thing as conspiracies is mentally retarded. The White House, in fact, has openly admitted Iran a vaccine conspiracy as a tactic of warfare. A conspiracy merely consists of two or more people plotting to deceive others. This fake vaccine scheme was, by definition, an elaborate conspiracy. Damn, man. Unbelievable. Uh, uh, yeah, this, this goes quite a bit, quite on. But, uh, but you know, I don't. I haven't had a vaccination in years, but, uh, you know, I don't trust anything now with blood tests or anything like that. I mean, you know what I mean? What do they use that stuff for? Who, who gets who gets it? I have you know, no idea. You know what I mean? It's like freaking weird, scary. Uh, let's see. Oh, this is good. Christy again. Christy signs Doty's right to shovel bill and Doty. Senator Mike Doughty legislation ensuring that kids have the right to offer snow shoveling services before storms without municipal approval was signed into law by Chris Christie. kids to register as businesses or buy expensive solicitation permits before offering to shovel their neighbors' driveways and sidewalks. 
This new law sends the message that kids looking to make a few bucks on a snow day shouldn't be subjected to government red tape for buying for tumbling snow. Oh my God, man. that's ridiculous, huh? Mm-hmm. Oh God, crazy, 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 crazy. Uh, anyway. So, at least he signed it into law. <sighs> so he he let the kids work. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't understand. I don't know. It, it just gets crazier and crazier. Oh, here's a good one. This is Bernie Sanders. If I get elected, I will fight corporate greed. If I fail to get elected, I will endorse Hillary Clinton, <laughs> the queen of corporate greed. <laughs> so much for Bernie making sense. Uh, uh, now this one, this wouldn't bother me if I would read this. Boston mayor fires city worker for participating in a Black Lives Matter protest. Um, her name is Nellie Rootsalaman. That's a tough one. Mm. Civil rights activist. She, uh, you know, tell, that's, that's weird. Anyway, I'm gonna. I'll, we can. We can go. We can read this. We can read this. If I can get it. Okay. Sentence. So sideways. Boston Mayor Marty Walsh was pu- has punished city worker Nellie Rutsalinen for participating in a Black Lives Matter protest on Thursday. Commemorating a commemoration of MLK, uh, Martin Luther King's birthday. Every politician sent the last week defending uh, free, speech. free speech, but the voices of the powerless are ignored unless they are non unless they take nonviolent civil disobedience, like Martin Luther King Jr. said. Sure, because in uh, sure. no one should be fired for expressing political speech. Yeah. And. Um, you know, call Mayor Marty Welsh and tell him to reinstate Nellie now. 617 635 Oh. So it is, folks. That's surely the way. If you live in Massachusetts, make that call. Yeah. It happens here in Connecticut all the time, too, folks. So. Clinton is a criminal. FBI conducting corruption probe into intersection of Clinton. Yep. This is the this is the article I wanted. To, I, I I'm not quite about. sure what that means. There's 150. There the there is 150 intelligence agents assigned to her wow. investigation. Is what I. Hillary Clinton is a criminal. FBI conducting cor- corruption probe into intersection of Clinton Foundation work and the State Department. Mm-hmm. Unusually high number of FBI agents are working on Clinton's corruption, political, public corruption probe. And um, it says, independent researchers have long detailed the sordid history. Uh, you all right? Mm-hmm. Of long researched the uh, detailed the sordid history of the Clinton crime family, from documented drug running operations to suspicious murders, all the way to accusations of pay-to-play corruption at the family's charitable foundation. Both Bill and Hillary Clinton have deep ties to criminal activity, 
yet have somehow remained largely outside the crosshairs of law enforcement. Amazingly, that is all about to change. On uh, Monday, multiple shocking reports surfaced that detail the fact that the FBI is not only investigating Hillary for improper use of personal email accounts to conduct official government business, but more importantly, they are also conducting a massive corruption probe into the intersection between Clinton's work at her family foundation and her time spent at the State Department. The agents are investigating the possible intersection of Clinton Foundation donations, the dispensation of State Department contracts, and whether regular processes were followed, one source said. The report contained quotes from multiple sources, including at least one in the intelligence community, who noted that agents within the FBI would be furious if a prosecution didn't end up happening due to the facts that others have been jailed with much less evidence. One intelligence source told Fox News that FBI agents would be screaming if the prosecution is not pursued. Uh, because many previous public corruption cases have been made and successfully prosecuted with much less evidence than what is emerging in this investigation. Mm. Interesting, huh? The FBI is particularly on edge in the wake of how the case of former CIA director David Petraeus was handled. Yeah. yeah I remember that. And following the... the, uh, the Report re- by what? Fox was yet another shocking revelation in regards to the Clinton public correction corruption probe, this time revealed by a reporter with the Washington Examiner. The Examiner article quotes remarks made by former U.S. Attorney Joseph DiGenova that indicates that Clinton's public corruption probe has actually been going on for months despite making only recent headlines. Joseph G. Joseph D. Genova, who was appointed by President Ronald Reagan, said the FBI's uh, foundation probe has reached such a proportion of inquiry that it's starting to sneak out, but that it was sparked months ago by information pulled from Hillary Clinton's private server and from tax filings of corporations that have donated to the charity. Shockingly, D. Genova claimed that over 100 FBI agents are working on the corruption probe, which they apparently strongly feel should lead to some sort of criminal charges being leveled at the Democratic presidential hopeful. There are are now, I am told, 150 agents working on this case. Bijanova told the Washington Examiner Examiner Monday, noting that was a very unusually high number of investigators to be working on one case. According to Bijanova, the FBI is quietly preparing subpoenas for the foundation's financial records and other key pieces of evidence. For her part, Hillary Clinton responded to the reports in the in the tried and true Clinton way, meaning she just uh, straight up lied about the reality of the situation. That, or she is so arrogant that she is actually completely unaware of the criminal corruption investigation she now finds herself knee deep in. A reporter for the does. Des Moines Moines. Register uh, asked Clinton about the FBI probe, and according to a tweet sent out by the reporter, Clinton responded to say, no, there's nothing like that uh, that is happening. And clearly, she is in for a surprise. I guess so. (laughs) 
it says, note, with the news that an actual criminal corruption investigation into Hillary Clinton has finally taken place, a recent independent investigation by Intel Hub founder Shepard Embolus, and this is the, this is the, uh, the, the website we're reading, um, has become even more important to read and spread to your friends and family. Uh, criminal Roots, a, shock, a shocking expose on the Clinton family and their rise to power. On another note, the fact that the FBI is actively investigating Clinton with over 100 agents seems to confirm the past reports that President Obama and his inner circle absolutely despise the Clintons and have leaked damning information about them to the media. There is simply no way that the FBI could be t conducting such an investigation without the blessing of the president. This Just should be together. interesting, to say the least. Mm -hmm. He's got a point there, though. Mm -hmm. He really does. Right? Mm. Yeah, so. Why does Obama hate them so much? Uh, well, Maybe uh, they tried to kill him like they have others. Maybe. Or uh, they did something to him, I'm sure. Well, he, did, he, he was kind of pushed into making her mm -hmm. the, the Secretary of Defense, you know? Well, because, it's sort of like, hold your enemies uh, friends yeah, close, friends by close, your right, enemies right. closer. But then, but then she screwed. She probably screwed him over with that with that foundation, mm -hmm. which just sounds like what they did, you know. And uh, hang the bankers. Uh, the rest of the world is fed up with U.S. NATO imperialism and wars based on lies. Innocent people are being slaughtered and losing everything in the name of freedom. Hillary's email confirms U.S. and NATO destroyed Libya over gold-backed currency. Mm -hmm. Interesting, huh? We kind of knew that, but yep. that's what they did. Jeez, um. <laughs> here we go. The U.S. dropped 23,144 bombs on Muslim-majority communities in 2015. And you got to wonder why... <laughs> Why they hate us so much, you know? Oh my God! And uh, for all, uh, that that that's kind of interesting. But here's here's something. Uh, the United States government admits Americans have been overdosed on fluoride. What do you think of that? <laughs> Did you know about forty percent of American teens have dental fluorosis? A condition referred to changes in the appearance of tooth enamel for the first time um, since 1962. U.S. government is lowering the recommended level of fluoride in drinking water. Yippee doo! It's about time, don't you think? Yeah. All right. And there's one more thing. Every I should read this because um, this is what says the EPA's hush hush response to the Flint water crisis. Uh, everybody should know this thing, but you know this is this is really horrible. Mm -hmm. What happened to this community? Look at the look at the dirt water that's coming out of that. Officials with the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency uh, for months knew about the poisoning of the Flint water supply, and rather than raise alarm and stop residents from drinking the lead-tainted water, they took a back seat on the matter. Detroit News reported that uh, t today, Tuesday. Uh, that federal uh, officials began making uh, inquiries in February and so on and so on. But uh, it's, uh, our time is up. 
so I want to go before we uh, finish here. But I'd go to commondreams.org uh, and check that one out. It's a good article. And uh, I want to thank everybody who joined us tonight. Um, uh, and, uh, yeah, support your unions. And, uh, you know, uh, be good, I guess. Have a wonderful evening. And uh, good night, everybody. Have anything to say? I just hope people have a good week. Yeah. And don't get too frustrated with all these politicians. But try to hang on to your values. That's what's important, folks. Have a good week. Good night, everybody. Good night.